Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, PK, the opening day of the recruiting period, the signing period, there'll be a few more trickling out and all that stuff, but the big name, the quarterback in a state that's produced a lot of high school football players with exceptional talent who've gone on to play in college, and we know the whole Pac-12 and the entire Mountain West are coming to this state to recruit, but quarterback, there haven't been a lot of high-profile quarterbacks from Utah And now we've got one going to the crown jewel of the West Coast, the legendary program. Yeah, I think you're mistaken on that. You're talking about USC, not Arizona State. So we need to change that. You find me a quarterback better than Danny White and Dennis Sproul and Mike Pagel, just to name a few. I only remember remember Pagel as a pro. I do remember Dennis Sproul. That was a great name. I don't know why. (laughs) Dennis Sproul. I like that name. I was a little kid. Didn't know anything. Actually, Mike Pagel was a high school friend of mine. (laughs) He was a high school friend of yours? Yes, he was. Really? How did I not know that after all these years? (laughs) I don't know. I've never mentioned Mike Pagel. (laughs) Did he he play for Cincinnati or Cleveland? He played for the Colts and then Cleveland. Okay. All right. Because he was with the uh, Arch Leister thing, and Arch Leister had all those issues uh-huh. with the gambling, obviously. And so then Pagel stepped in. But, yeah, Pagel was uh, a buddy of mine in high school. Oh, all right. And, uh, he uh, was from a school uh, not too far away, just a couple, probably three or four miles. Washington was the name mm-hmm. of it. And uh, so and I, he played baseball. He actually played baseball at ASU, too. And uh, I played baseball, so, you know, it was a small circle. So we knew each other. We, you know, we weren't best buds, but we were buddies. I could consider him a friend. Yeah. And uh, his brother played in the big leagues for the Cubs, Carl Pagel. Yeah. Quite the family, huh? A lot of athletic ability in, in that family, yeah. Yeah. So this kid, Dart, choosing USC. You know, they don't have a big, uh, great tradition with quarterbacks, but Graham Harrell. The offensive coordinator throws the ball a ton. I can see why this young man would be attracted for two reasons. They throw the ball a ton, and it is SC. There it is. Fight on, baby. The men of Troy. Yeah. The hitch in this, and, you know, they don't have a great tradition of quarterbacks if you look at the history of USC football because for much of our lives it was known as running back you. I mean, one Heisman Trophy winner after another after another – uh, I think they ended up with four, and Five. then Bush was the fifth, separated by about you know a quarter of a century. Uh, but yeah. from from the mid '60s, uh, which I don't remember until the early '80s, when Mark Salen came from San Diego and he won it. They not only did they have four guys who won it, but they had several other backs who were finishing oh, sure. top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they always absolutely. had an excellent running back, whether they won and the Heisman or not. Mind, they had a slew of offensive linemen too. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, but this last 20 years, and and let's face it, the the 1900s to the current crop of high school kids, it's like it doesn't, it just, it either doesn't matter or maybe it doesn't even exist to them. It's just such a, you know, I whenever my dad would tell me about somebody who's good in the 50s or 60s, I would think, yeah, that's great, but that's that's way old, you know. But there are kids now who are saying that about the 80s and 90s. And in the last 20 years, SC has had either. Well, they've had good – every quarterback, it seems like, has been a good college quarterback, and then some of them have either been mediocre pros or good pros. And Carson Palmer was a good pro. Uh, you know, Leinert was in and out pretty quickly. The jury is out on 
uh, Sam Darnold, and I'm leaving out several quarterbacks. Uh, Sanchez. Yeah. Uh, if they've had a few. Uh, Barkley. Um, they're okay. They made it to the pros, which, you know, something to be said, even if you, if you wash out in the pros, you still made it to the pros. Right. I mean, John Beck and Max Hall made it to the NFL. So right. something usually you're probably a pretty good college quarterback, which in those cases, the SC kids that we mentioned and the two BYU kids that we mentioned were, in fact, good quarterbacks. But, you know, that uh, with uh, Helton's decision to go with Graham Harrell, that is obviously flipped the whole offensive philosophy towards throwing the ball and, oh, my gosh, the receivers that you throw to, it's there's just an assembly line of guys in the NFL that, who are really good. That to me yeah. is what tips the balance. I, I get that high school, and this is where you know you're an adult, and you know you, you get to you you get down the line a few years, and you're going to look at things differently than high school kids. You know, I I I know it impacts the kids. Well, they throw the ball a lot, okay, but even if they don't throw the ball a lot, 25 passes a game. NFL scouts can evaluate you oh, on right. that, and they yeah. will. But I think the big separator in my mind, trying to put myself in their shoes, is that you know what's going to make me look even better? I'm not thrown to nice college receivers. I'm not thrown to okay or even good college receivers. I'm throwing to great college receivers. There isn't a better – name a better receiving core. Maybe you can give me a, a school that has receivers as good as USC. There's no way you can give me – a school that has better receivers than USC. Yeah, I agree, but I don't think that's the tipping point. I think the tipping point is the glory. Yeah, well, the 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 razzle, the dazzle, the shine, the yeah, the glory. Yeah, absolutely. That's. That, I mean, it would be it would be it easy to go down there and be impressed. You know, Heritage Hall and all the trophies, and maybe there's different in recruiting this year. I mean, families can still kids could still go on their own trip. The the school camp can't pay for your trips anymore but i don't think there's anything that says you can't go walk around a college campus as a high school oh, kid yeah. Yeah, right but i don't think you can meet with the coaches and all that i don't think they right. were allowing it unofficial but yeah. you don't need to do that yeah i mean you've you've, you've seen the sizzle growing up you know yeah. I mean, you know the coliseum is what it is right the campus is right next to it it's downtown you've seen all the shots and they're on tv and you know, the, the stands are packed, they already, they already know and, and the white it's, it's horses. A, it's a, it's a seafood, but I think kids yeah. are attracted. Where can I have the most glory? Yeah, and we've seen that. That's why I say I think that this shirt, uh, one-time transfer rule is actually probably going to benefit the higher-level schools because go there, and then if I don't get on the field, well, I could transfer to a lesser Power Five, uh, a, a two, three lesser Power Fives, and, and you know the rung of hierarchy or i could go to a g5 i'll have plenty of opportunities to get out on the field but man if i can try alabama why wouldn't i try it and then if it doesn't work well i'm free to go and i don't have to worry about it i can just go wherever i want and whoever will have me and there you go so you know i I thought about that with the running backs transferring that you know i and and i know and there is a risk the fans who are worried about it there is a risk if you don't have the depth and there's a lot of injuries in football and all that but boy, from the coaching perspective, you're thinking, I bring in more running backs. I find the one who really stands out. And if these other guys go, that just, you know, Kyle was talking about bringing in a class of just 17 guys. Well, suddenly he's got a couple more scholarships. He has to bring in a couple more guys if he chooses or save them for a transfer. I don't, I don't know that these schools that are losing people are necessarily all that upset about it. Now, if you lose no. your star player to USC, you are upset about it. But if you lose someone who's third on your depth chart, uh, okay, that's not the end of the world. 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they're going to pass it. I mean, if they didn't want to pass it, they wouldn't pass it. That's another reason why they're going to pass it. So I think this kid is choosing SC because of the glory. And we've seen other places in other sports where kids go because the program is prestigious, the stands are packed. Duke. Duke basketball. and And it may not work out. Every time we uh, every time we hear about a, uh, a local kid, or in some cases maybe he's not a local kid, but he's an LDS kid, and you know he might go to BYU, or maybe he's looking to Utah or whatever, and then Duke comes swooping in. How many kids can you name who, you know, Frank Jackson was committed to BYU until he wasn't, and he ended up at Duke, and then he ended up in the NBA. Yeah, and you no, go, I don't what? think it's a big loss in basketball because they're only there for one game. I mean, one season. One season, yeah. And whereas football, you know, it's different. And it, especially at quarterback, because it's not like, well, you can just go out and get another quarterback of that caliber. Uh, and I don't know that this kid, as I would any kid, is going to turn out to be all that because they've already got a commitment from this uh, Orange County kid, uh, Miller Moss. So only one of them can play. We'll see how, right. how it works out. Well, we've already seen it where, you know, one of them wins the job and then one of them gets hurt and the next player up is also excellent and performs at a high level. And even the kid who won the job can't get his job back and has to take off, right? And JT Daniels goes to Georgia. That's that's not that far down the college football food chain. No, but I think it's unusual. It is. Uh, it's. I think it, the more likely story is they recruit multiple quarterbacks and they stay in the program like a Jack Sears and they don't win the job and then they leave. Boise That's, State, hello. Yeah, I mean, the Sun Devils recruited a couple of quarterbacks, and Daniels won the job. The other kid played one game when Daniels was hurt as a freshman, looked decent, and then transfers out and immediately eligible and is now Pittsburgh's uh, starting quarterback. And so since he only played one game last year, he gets the opportunity to mm-hmm. uh, be a freshman this year. So I think that's more of the common thing rather than you're an all-star and you lose, you get hurt, and then they bring in another all-star and you can't get back on the field. Uh, that did happen, though. And and interestingly, both both those kids from the Devils and SC were eligible uh, the very next season because they're granting waivers, so they're going to yeah. do that. But, you know, can this kid get out on the field? It's great you made your choice and everyone's excited. And, and SC is a big dog in our part of the country. But... Can you get out on the field? You know, we had uh, uh, Eric Kerr, who's the coach at Corner Canyon. You know, he had that Kefensis kid when he was at Jordan was all that. Never got on the field as a quarterback, as a starting quarterback. Transferred to, what, four or five different schools, junior college. Still couldn't get out on the field as a starting quarterback. So it's great that you do this, but really in terms of your college, you have just begun just because you're ESPN's top whatever and you threw for eight trillion yards that's all well and good but there's two things you got to fight to get out on the field and then once you get out on the field you got to fight to keep your job because they're going to have two commitments this year they're going to have two commitments next year (laughs) on and on and on it goes you know what I mean yes and that's all true and I guess the thing I would say about all of those quarterbacks is uh, from the school perspective, you know, they like you, they've seen you in the seven on seven, and then you win with your high school team, but the seven on seven isn't real football. And the schools, a lot of these kids are coming from are stacked with talent. 
And so it goes back to uh, what we have been told by multiple quarterbacks. Uh, looking back, Frank has told us this on multiple occasions, including this week. And Frank Dolce. Frank Dolce. And Riley has told us. Riley said, yeah, I thought he was a really good quarterback. And then I realized I was thrown to an NFL receiver whose catch radius was like 10 feet. And just knowing that, I relaxed, stopped trying to be perfect, and it made me better. I was more accurate. Then he's not out there. And you're like, oh, man, I got to hit this guy not on one of the numbers, right, between the numbers. And you're pressing. And, you know, and Frank talks about everyone else around you making your job easier. And, you know, Jake Heaps was an awesome high school quarterback, but his high school was loaded. And Jackson Dart was good at Roy as a junior. He was great as a senior at Corner Canyon, but they're loaded. You know, I mean, he Oregon's recruiting one of the linemen who's right in front of him. Uh, and that Corner Canyon team yeah. had a lot of talent. And and the thing is, the same is true in modern day. You follow L.A., modern day – they they got a lot of high level athletes down there. Yeah, he, he's not from Modern Day. He's from Bishop Alamany. Right, but they have recruited uh, multiple Modern Day quarterbacks. No, not the backup, but the other kid mm-hmm. who has committed. I said Orange County. It's not Orange County. It's up in the up in the Valley up in San Fernando. Uh, so yeah, they do. But you know that's where I've spoken to quarterback coaches, Riley Jensen being one of them, and uh, the, the dark kid did. Name Riley by name during his little press conference spiel. He named DJ. Did you think that was you? No. Was Did you hear sure. that? Pretty sure it wasn't me. You know who that is? Who? DJ. Who? It's the principal. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so my wife, who teaches at Corner, she talks about DJ, and we have to differentiate which DJ we're talking <laughs> <Which> about. DJ. <laughs> he goes by. Everybody calls him DJ. Yeah. What's uh, his name? Principal there. Oh, what is uh, Derek uh, Jensen or Daryl? Okay. I think it's Daryl. Daryl, okay. Daryl. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, was the principal at my wife's uh, junior high. That's how she got to know him, and then he brought her over to the to the high school. But he did mention Riley, and I've spoken to quarterback coaches, and they say you've got to go see the kid in person, and you don't go exclusively on tape you don't go on seven on seven you've got to trust your judgments on that that's a thing that ludwig is big on you've got to get there and see the kid uh now you don't necessarily have to see him in a high school game but you have to see him for your own eyes because evaluating quarterbacks because of those very things that you said can askew it and just make it look like he's all that when he really isn't right and i just spoke of somebody at uh Eric Kerr, it's another thing, too, with this system. You know, Eric Kerr is just a brilliant offensive mind at the high school level. You know, he hasn't lost a game in three years, and in his four years uh, corner cane, he's lost one game. Yeah. He's like 52-1. and one. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, and the one game was by <laughs> one point to Sky Ridge, who has a very good program of their own. It was a state yeah. semifinal. It was like, I think, 34-33. It was a one-point game, low 30-something. And it's not like all the kids or a lot of the kids that he's coaching, because he's been doing it for a while, have gone on and done great things at the high at the college level. So I don't necessarily think that's the case either. I think he's just brilliant and just awesome at what he does. So that's another thing you have to factor into. That's why I had somebody who does this for a living ask him point blank, will this kid dart be big time? said, I think so, but it's 50-50. And I'm talking big time at the college level. Yeah. Although if you're big time at SC, you have to assume you're going to get a shot. 
at the pros for sure. But we'll worry about the college thing first. And so even this guy, who's a professional, and I'm not a professional at this, is saying that it's 50-50. So this is its a bold decision. I applaud him for doing it. If I was in that situation, I'd probably do the exact same thing. Why wouldn't you want all the glory that goes with being a quarterback and big man at SC for sure? You know, you'll be on TV and blah, 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 and they'll talk about you a million times over, and Harold throws the ball. So I understand all of that, and I applaud him for putting himself in the position to do it. Man, it's it's going to be hard, hard, hard work to get where you want to go. But I guess that's what makes it worth it, you know, because if you were going to a place that didn't have any other offers, uh, offers of other kids and whatnot, maybe they wouldn't be as good. And here you're going into a competitive situation, and then obviously once all the quarterbacks are there, and Slovis is coming back next year, so uh, I assume he is anyway. He can't go to the NFL yet, and I don't think he's going to transfer. So uh, unless he gets injured or whatnot, you know, he's going to be the guy next season, and then you battle it out oh, for man. number two. <laughs> the battle, they're so deep. And that's the thing at USC. Like, oh, you didn't start. You could literally be an NFL-caliber quarterback and not start at USC, and that wouldn't be surprising. It's not an automatic, but it wouldn't be well, surprising that they would have you're multiple. You're not going to be because you're going to leave. Right. Because uh, you got to play. So You know, and the other uh, thing to throw into this, the other hitch, the other risk with him going there is you mentioned, you know, okay, he got really good coaching this year at Corner Canyon, right? Well, then you got good coaching at Roy, too. They have, you know, they have good programs because they have good coaches. And uh, he acknowledged that in his little speech that right. he gave also. Yeah. Um and you go to uh, USC, and how long is that coaching staff there? You know, if, if next year falls apart for one reason or another, I mean, d- the number of stories we've read about how many boosters don't want Clay Helton there. You know, it's just a, there's an army of people lining up ready to run him out of town. And at the same time, if it all comes together and it clicks and they do really well, well, then Harold's a hot name in coaching and somebody's going to want to take a chance on him. I mean, you just – you can't be a hot offensive coordinator for very long because you're going to get a head coaching job, especially with USC as a platform. Well, I would believe that, and I can't guarantee this, but I would believe when he gets to SC that this coaching staff will be intact. But when he leaves SC, whenever that might be, and hopefully for him it's on his time frame, three or four years, coaching staff will not be intact. But you can say that about everyone, which is why I hope he wasn't choosing that solely on the coaches because as long as urban meyer is unemployed as a coach clay helton better have won his last game (laughs) (laughs) it's just so much pressure on this guy which is why i find myself rooting for him to succeed yeah you know we've been around him a few times i've interviewed him on the pac-12 media days and then in uh, games that either byu or utah has played he's a stand-up dude i find myself rooting for him to be successful, you know, whoever they should play uh, in Friday's title game, I'm going to root for them. It's supposed to be Oregon, but who knows? It was supposed to be Washington. Maybe it'll end up being Utah. Who knows? Uh, But uh, I'm rooting for him because the pressure is on all the time. So he's not going to get a 6-6 and season and survive. He just isn't. And so, yeah, if you chose for the coaches – that's a good short-term decision, but I don't know that it's going to pay off long-term. But if you chose for USC and the glamour and the platform and the it's L.A. market, yeah, that's not going to change. Now yeah. all you got to do is win the job. 
and which is a hard thing to do. You win the job and you're good and open up the windows because all that publicity and all the glory that you want is going to be there. And you just look at a guy like Matt Leinard who sucked in the NFL, but, you know, there he is doing the Fox thing and he's got the growth with the facial hair and he's 6'4", and I don't know who his girlfriend or wife is, but she's probably a beauty, not that that matters, but that's the cliché. Uh, so you can have all that. If you make it at SC, the world is, what do they say, the world's your oyster? Is that that expression? That is the expression. And I was just about to say that this is the class of kids who will be the first class of kids to really benefit from the name, image, and likeness. They're going to be in college long enough. I don't know how quickly it's going to be implemented, um, but it feels like it's coming pretty soon. And this class of kids should cash in on that. And in L.A., hey, there's more companies, there's more money, there's USC alums who are going to want to be associated with USC players. I don't know how it's going to work exactly, but it ought to work pretty well for USC players. Oh uh, Yeah, yeah, whatever whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's, I don't know what the kid's financial situation is, uh, but sure. <laughs> It'll be better after playing at USC. <laughs> you have an opportunity to make money on that. As long as he plays, though, you got to play. Yeah got to win the job. I can't emphasize that enough. This means nothing in terms of winning the job. Got to get out on the field. And the coaches don't care who wins the job. They just want a high-level quarterback. Yeah, we saw that. I mean, they had no problem going to Slovis and saying, sucks for you, JT. <laughs> Next. And what we're seeing here at Utah, right? If you would have told me in this crazy year of 2020 – that their top two running backs coming into the season would transfer? I always said, you have got to be kidding me. And really, their top three coming into the season. I figured Green would transfer because it wasn't working. It wasn't happening for him. He wasn't getting out on the field. So that was an obvious one. But if So uh, I had him as a goner. But if you would have told me these two kids, at a position where you don't necessarily have to be the number one guy to get out on the field – get the majority of the carries obviously you do so just because you get this scholarship here that's great but man really the work has just begun and yeah and look at uh, cameron cooper still trying to fight to get out on the field up with uh washington state and he was all that at lehigh high school yeah they recruited a kid out of hawaii yeah yeah look at all that stuff when just the cooper kid we presented him with that high school award at Mm -hmm. the utah sports award deal and we had a chance to talk to him for a few minutes seemed like a great kid and, uh, in fact, I think he, he was up there and came back to, to get that award. I think he was up in Pullman, if I remember correctly. Uh, but you just look at his situation, Mike Leach. Mike Leach is long gone, yeah. and they bring in a guy from Hawaii who brings in a recruit from Hawaii. That sucks. <laughs> and sure enough, the recruit wins the job. Shocking. Yeah. So, really, you know, I don't have any advice to give to anybody. Heaven knows I'm not in any position to do that, you know, but – since I do have this platform, it's all about. I would. This is generally. This is to know any nobody in particular. Is at this point. I assume you've put in a ton of work. Just put your head down and go to work and, and see what happens, man. You got a shot, and really, uh, that's all that matters is you get a shot. You want a shot to compete, and they're not going to choose anybody, who is. I don't think anyway. It could be wrong. That is based on politics. I think they're going to choose it on ability. Well, I think you got a better chance there because they're all their guys. You know, 
It's uh, it's a little different at Washington State where you have a coaching change. Right, yeah, if the coach – that's why I brought that up earlier. If there's a coaching change, then you want your guy, hey, we're going to play a different system, and these are the strengths I'm looking for in the system, and I don't know if you have them, but I picked this guy over here. Then you could start to worry. Uh, but right now, this is all this coaching staff bringing in all these recruits. Yeah, I'm excited for the kid. I'm, I'm sort of dismayed for the Utes, actually. You know, I don't think that he was ever – going to be somebody that he was serious for BYU and we'll just leave it at that but you know another at least on paper and on the field at the high school level which is sort of on paper relative to college is another big time quarterback that is not going to Utah and you're in the Pac-12 now and you have no problem getting all these other players why can't you get this but Zach, position? But Zach Wilson's at the at the Y, and Cooper went to Washington State, and now you've got Dart going to USC. There haven't been that many high-profile quarterbacks coming out of Utah, but Riley was telling us a few years ago the quarterback play is improving, the coaching is improving, and you're going to yeah, see well, an upswing, is, yeah. and he's spot on. We can see it in recruiting now. You know This is why we keep having Riley on because he's spot on. Learn a lot well, listening to Riley. Yeah, learn yeah. a lot listening to him. And the kid the kid actually mentioned Riley, as I said earlier, by name. He right. said, well, I'd like to thank Riley Jensen. I think that a lot of people, when they watch that locally, and he mentioned DJ, I bet you they thought it was you. <laughs> well, it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with anything. Go get him, kid. <laughs> well, he did mention DJ. Yeah, but it's the principal. <laughs> All right, DJ and yeah, PK. They don't know that. They think no. it's you. They yeah, think it's you, you, I, DJ. That's, that's funny that I'm falling into that. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to spend a few minutes talking jazz basketball. I threw something out earlier in the week. It really caught PK's ear. And we have to debate and discuss now. I was saying watching the uh, second preseason game, Monday at Watching the Suns, I tweeted out, uh, this lineup they have on the floor, it feels like it should score on every possession. Now, obviously that's not realistic, but you look at the guys on a court and you just got a level of confidence, at least I do, that I haven't had with Jazz lineups once they start mixing and matching bench guys in there. And the the lineup that got me going was uh, – Mitchell and Conley were playing together. Clarkson had come in off the bench. Uh, Gobert was the big guy and was uh, diving to the hoop. PK, you love that expression. And I'm trying to think who the fourth guy was. I think Bullion was on the floor. You know, so Joe Ingles wasn't out there. Um, Royce O'Neal wasn't out there. Uh, Nian can be a rotation guy as well. And I'm leaving somebody else out. Um but I was thinking, you, you got to go on this roster at least seven deep. You have confidence in guys offensively. Now, comma, offensively within their roles. Favors and, um, and Gobert uh, running a pick and roll and getting a dunk, you can't leave them. If you can't stop Donovan Mitchell one-on-one, especially if a guy's getting bumped off in, in a pick and roll, and you're into a scramble, who do you leave? And a year ago, you could help off of um, – uh, you didn't worry so much about Jeff Green, or you could uh, help off Emmanuel Moutier uh, a couple years ago. Um, maybe you take your chances and you leave Jay Crowder. I mean, I can close my eyes and see him shooting wide open threes, and teams say, well, he's going to shoot 33, 34%. So we'll take our chances with him. And, you know, he could have a night where he was one for six and just 
couldn't get it going. Now you'd have a night where he's three for four and hit some big hoops and help you, but you could take your chances with him. And PK, I look at the top of the rotation, and I don't see guys you can take your chance with. How does that change from the end of last season, though? Because Jeff Green was gone fairly early, and Moutier didn't play a whole lot. So I didn't see like they were this just juggernaut offense. They were very good offensively. Tony Bradley uh, was playing, and Bogdanovich was gone. Not in the playoff. I'm not talking about that. Because in the playoff, offense wasn't the problem. Uh, so I don't know that uh, – Basically, Mitchell just took over whatever Bogdanovich. That is a better in. answer, and that is, I think, the thing. Because uh, when we talked about this before, you're saying, so pick them two in the West. And there's a yeah. part of me that wants to, but I can't quite because it, it comes down to, you know, Mitchell takes over. That covers up. When your star takes over, that covers up a lot of flaws elsewhere on the roster. Maybe you don't get stops at the rate you should, but it doesn't matter because your star gets hot and scores almost every time coming down the stretch. Or he gets somebody else a layup or a dunk uh, because he draws the whole defense to him and you get an easy bucket. Your star just being overwhelming is a way better answer than having a lot of depth. If you told me you can have one or the other, I would take a star who just is freaking unstoppable and lights everybody up. Give me the best player in the game over a roster that's seven deep. When, uh, when Shaq and Kobe were ruling the Lakers and beating that really deep Portland team and the Portland coaches would say, well, you can only play five guys at a time. Yeah, we got nine good ones, but they've always got Shaq and he's always the best player. And they got Kobe, and depending on the night, he's the second or third best player. It's a problem. So yeah. the, the depth is great, and I think the Jazz are building it. But if you told me you can have depth or you can have Donovan Mitchell take another step forward, I'd say hey, have Donovan take another step forward. See, in my mind, I don't know if they're improved offensively. I think they improved defensively because that's where the Favors-Bradley comparison comes in. So I guess the, the question I have in my mind offensively is how many minutes are they going to play Favors and Gobert together? Because I don't trust that combination together offensively. I don't think a unit with those two together is going right. to put as much pressure but on But they know defense. that too, so they're not right. putting that. And they did play – uh, Monday night against Phoenix, and then the, you know they've got a, what uh, tonight's yeah. their last uh, preseason game, and then it gets going. When's it get going? Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, they I think some over. teams play the twenty second, but the Jazz play the twenty third. But yeah, I think they always have that opening night kind of you know national TV yeah, doubleheader. Yeah, yeah. I can look so, it up. You know, we're, we'll probably see those two a little bit, but they know full well, hey, we're not going to be an offensive juggernaut here, and they'll adjust accordingly with other guys. Uh, I think that they have an opportunity to be better than they were offensively. They have an opportunity to finish second in the West. It's just that, in my mind, I'm not as sold on it as you. Well, man, they've got five great offensive players because I don't think they do. And occasionally they could, or seven, I think you said. Uh, they've got guys who have the capability to do all these things. That's for sure. But that's why they play the games, as the cliche goes, to see if they can actually do it. Because if I look at guys who I can count on offensively, and that means putting the ball in the basket, mm-hmm. you know, basically. That's what you get points for. All the other stuff is good. Nine times. Right. All the other stuff is good. But yeah. put the ball in the basket. Mitchell, Clarkson, Bogdanovich. Generally speaking, those guys are high-level offensive guys. The other guys, got they have capabilities, and that's what's great. That's what's great about this team, 
It's what's great about when they a few years back when they were pushing that the team is the thing. Well, they didn't have the emergence of the superstar. I believe they've got the emergence of the superstar now in Mitchell, right? And the good thing about it is you've got his emergence. He's grown up. He's going into his fourth year as even though he's only 24, he's a tried and tested veteran. That's the world in which we live in now that everything is expedited and his greatness right now is upon us. He can still get a little bit better for sure, but his greatness is right here. It's now, and we get to see it over the next five years, and that's super exciting as for all of us who follow jazz basketball. The great thing about it is the other guys are better collectively than they were back two, three years when they were pushing the team is the thing. The superstar, I don't think they had the superstar then. They got one now, and then the rest of the characters is better, collectively speaking, than it was two, three years ago. So to the list of guys that I trust on offense and the list of guys who, even though they're going to have stat lines that aren't that great, I think when you're game planning for them, when you are, you are afraid to leave Conley and Ingles. Conley, uh, even though we know all about the slow start, and I thought he played much better after he came back from that injury. I, I got zero complaints about it after that. For the whole season, not cherry-picking the best numbers, which is a dangerous thing to do when you see people working with numbers. They'll cherry-pick them. For the whole season, he shot 37.5% from the three-point line. And Ingles shot 39.9, basically 40. So you can't leave those two guys. I'm with you on the three you said. And I think as long as they're not playing together, either Favors or uh, Gobert going to the hoop, they're going to get a dunk. You don't dare leave them. Now, if you stay with them, somebody else should be open. And it's... You know, pick your poison is the cliche. I, I just don't see where they're going to have guys out there that I don't trust. If you shoot 37% from the three-point line in the NBA, you're a good. That's, that's a good three-point percentage. 40%, that's a gold standard. You get to 40%, there's probably 40 guys in the whole league who can do that. You, know, you only have one or two guys on a team who can do that mostly. Uh, the Jazz, we, we, the guys we're not talking about here who have a chance to get minutes, uh, certainly Royce O'Neal, expect not a chance, expect him to get in minutes, and Niang as well. And I think you have to plan for the deeper rotation this year because you're not going to have very many stretches where you get three days off. The Jazz have one after one game. You know, you could really use that after 20 games when guys start to get worn down and have nagging injuries and all that kind of stuff. And so if they lose guys, whether it's a positive COVID test or somebody's going to get hurt and have some injury that knocks them out for a week or two, they should have guys and there should be quality and they can still shoot it. They don't have, they're not going to be running a bunch of non-shooters out there. Yeah, but I don't think any team is. Really? Yeah, the way the league is now, they're running a bunch of non-shooters out on the floor in NBA hoop now? No, that's where you see this. these guys, this uh, Robinson kid from Miami, these guys you never even heard of that they're playing D2 is because they can shoot. And that's become, uh, particularly from the outside, obviously, behind the line, that's become such a big, big deal. What team is running multiple guys out there that can't shoot? You know what they're called? They're called losers. <laughs> So I don't really think it's that different. That's why I don't think it has. It gives them such a big advantage. Yeah, they've got it, but so does everybody else who's a contender. 
Well, the Jazz were one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league last year, and I can uh, I can look up the stats for you, but I think they're going to be even better this year. So to, I see no reason degree. why they're not better. I would agree with that. Yes, I I I, I totally now I guess agree. The, the question is, uh, as much as it's great to say you got a defensive player of the year and Gobert, what got them beat was they couldn't stay with jump shooters and guys shooting three, and they were giving up fifty-point games. And so, and Gobert can't help you with that. He can take away layups, and he can take away dunks. He can dominate the paint. But, you know, when, when Murray gets rolling, and to your point, in the West, doesn't everybody have a guy who can get rolling like that? Now, I don't think Phoenix is going to make the playoffs and win a series and be one of the last four teams standing. But if you're playing one game with Phoenix and playoff seeding or whatever and home court, and hopefully home court matters this year, uh, you know, Devin Booker can light you up one night. For sure. I think they're too I think they're still too dependent on him. Um and so I have my doubts about how far they're gonna go. But they're one bad. night, even a team that hasn't been very good, everyone knows that guy can get you. Oh yeah, you don't pencil in three oh against Phoenix like you used to. I get your point. So I, I think that where they have a chance to be better defensively, uh it favors if it favors is 20 feet from the hoop, I don't think he's lost. No, he's a good defender out there. All right, so the the three-point shooting last year, I got it right here for the the league. The Jazz shot 38% and were number one in the league. And, yes, uh, lots of teams have good three-point shooting because even at 36%, the Pacers are in the middle of the league at 14 the Nuggets were 15, the team that knocked them out of the playoffs at 35-9. That's still the Jazz, two points better than the Nuggets, but the Nuggets ended up knocking them out. Yeah, and the Jazz didn't have Bogdanovich. Uh, uh, and I realize the Nuggets didn't have everybody, so you can play that game to right. blue in the face. It doesn't change anything. And, and can Mitchell and Murray do – did Mitchell and Murray get hot in the bubble, or is this revealing a new level that these two guys, who are still pretty young, a new level that these guys can sustain? I think Murray got hot. I think Mitchell is a better player. He's more athletic, and it's about his ability, especially in the postseason, to get to the basket in the mid-range game, all the stuff that you need. I think overall he's a better player, but no discredit to Murray because he upped this game big time. I think the great thing for the Jazz is the potential is there to finish second. Will they do it? I don't know. I cannot say that. But all these things, I think we're, we're saying the same thing, basically. You're a little more confident of it than I am. But the realistic possibility, not pie in the sky if everything breaks your way and you all, you know, baseball, everybody has a career year up and down the lineup. No, I don't think you need that level of success. But these guys got to do what they're all capable of doing and have their health, which, you know, have injuries combined with COVID, could end up making it even screwier than it has the potential to be normally. So I think how good your star is matters a lot, even though I'm hammering the depth here, which is a positive. You know, how close can Donovan come within the restraints of the system, you know, his teammates, how close does he come to doing what Harden did? Harden was so good. Now, this year he looks like he's out of shape and he doesn't want to be there and he wants to be moved. But if you look what he's done over the last five years – he made the Warriors the second or third best team in the conference. They couldn't get past the 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 Warriors. They couldn't get they couldn't get the Rockets past the Warriors. Uh, you know the Lakers jumped over them with LeBron. But the 
but the Rockets were either the second or third best team in the conference, and it was because James Harden played at a freakishly high level. Now, mm-hmm. what percentage of that can Donovan do this year? Is he going to be 80% of that, 90% of that, 98% of that? Is he actually going to match it? I mean, the, the numbers he put up in that playoff series, you don't want to get too carried away because it wasn't traditional NBA basketball with travel and crowds and referees impacted by crazy crowds and players impacted by travel and all that. It was different. But they were those were spectacular numbers. And if he sustains that with a bunch of guys who routinely hit open shots – two's in play you know but then but then how much better are the clippers they get rid of the dissension and Kawhi's all in and 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 pissed about last year instead of being the champ and feeling pretty good you know can't guarantee anything all right dj pk we're out of time we're gonna take a break yak is looking at me like you have pushed the limit and the line after the line and the line after that too dj and pk it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone time to welcome in andrew reinhardt from wasatch medical clinic Andrew, the research, you keep looking at research that's piling up. Yes, we do. If guys are struggling with erectile dysfunction, there is, we say clinically proven, because there's so many clinical studies now that show we can reverse ED with acoustic wave therapy. It's clinically proven to open up and regrow blood vessels gently with just a few short 10-minute treatments. So, there's hope, guys. We can reverse the ED, and you don't have to take the pill any longer. So there are uh, results that you get uh, from research, and then there's what you hear from your patients. What are you hearing from them? Yeah, we do. We get feedback from patients every day. We had a 77-year-old guy in here the other day who was taking the pill for his ED for 10 years. He was able to eliminate it completely just a week into his treatment. So He was happy. And also, I should say, his wife, very happy. Let's not forget that ED affects two people. So if they want to get a hold of you, what do they do? Go to WasatchMedicalClinic.com. Or if you want to put a stop to the erectile dysfunction, take the step of calling us now. We'll do the initial screening with our doctor, which includes a blood flow ultrasound at no charge. We'll also throw in a little gift. You're going to love this. It produces instant results in the bedroom. This is all free to those that call now. All right, call Wasatch Medical right now at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. The number again, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. As another show comes to an end, comes to an end, it's time to hear from you. Is this live right now? From your calls, tweets, and open mics, this is the best feedback of the day. This is why we love the game. Presented by Strong Audi on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, it's time for your feedback. What you have to say about today's show. We've been talking about NCAA allowing transfers to be immediately eligible, and Jason says... That's how it should always be. People are signing off on this, PK, regardless of the unintended consequences, which there are bound to be some. Yeah, there are definitely bound to be some. There's no question about that. I just don't know if it's going to change. I think college football has an issue in terms of the same few teams competing for the ultimate prize. Now, I suppose you could say, well, basketball does too, 
because it, the idea of the Cinderella making the final four, getting the final game, it has happened. It does happen, but usually that's not the case. But it seems like it's worse in football, and there's far fewer teams that have that opportunity. Chandler says, I mean, workers' rights are pretty cool. <laughs> so there you go. The players are the workers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we have people talking about how many running backs have transferred. You know, is it two? Is it three? And John says, hey, you got to count Devontae Henry Cole. That's four running backs, which is why Kyle is saying they want to put more running backs into the program. Yeah, yeah, that's we true. Had him on earlier this morning. All right, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic with a special deal for you. Andrew, everybody loves a good deal. Yes, they do. And there's so many guys struggling with erectile dysfunction. Uh, and, you know, of course, the good deal is you can come in and meet with a doctor, talk about your specific questions for free. Uh, we use acoustic wave therapy, which is shown to open up and regrow blood vessels. It essentially is a blood flow treatment. That is what erectile dysfunction is. It's blood flow. So take advantage of it. Come in, meet a doctor, get a blood flow ultrasound done, and then you decide from there. See if you're a good candidate. We have helped thousands of men restore normal intimacy back into the bedroom. So when you, uh, when you read up on the clinical studies, uh, you're posting them on your website now so people can read them for themselves. That's right. They are on the science page at wasatchmedicalclinic.com. There is I mean, weeks of data on there from Cambridge to the American Urological Association, so many clinical studies. It isn't just us saying this works. The science is proven, and we really can regrow blood vessels. So to get the special deal right now, what do people have to do? Go to wasatchmedicalclinic.com or simply call us. Set up the appointment. We'll get you in. It takes about 30 to 45 minutes with a doctor. The number is 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. You can call 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks for coming on the air this morning. Thank you. Andrew Reinhart, Wasatch Medical Clinic, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Scott and Hands are next. All right, show's over. I'm tired. Goodbye. Well, until we meet again. And be sure to join us at the same time tomorrow. 